Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. Folks, we're on a new series called Design. I want to encourage you to, to take out your Bibles, and we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read verses 14 through 29. Matthew 25, 14 through 29. My version says it this way. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, You delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had the two talents come forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you are a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you can have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take that talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you, and we are so grateful to be home. We're grateful, Father, for this opportunity, this service, and we just ask right now, Lord, that your presence would just manifest itself in this place. Father, that this word would bring life to us, that we'd be transformed by it, that we would leave here encouraged, and uh, and we would just leave here, Lord, living by design. We ask this all in the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Come on, turn to two people and say they're looking great this morning. Let them know, let them know, let them know. Looking great, looking great. Uh, so we're on a, a new series of messages called Design. I'm excited. How many of y'all enjoyed part one of Design last Sunday? I want to encourage you, get on the podcast. It's, it's already up. Part one of this, of the, of, of Design series is on the city podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. So you won't miss a beat. Uh, but we are on part two. And, and what we're talking about in this series is what it looks like to live by design and not default. Uh, what I believe that means is what it looks like to live life God's way. 
Uh, Because I don't want to live life my way because I know man's way is never a good way. Whatever man touches ruins. Have you ever noticed that? Like whatever we get our hands on usually doesn't go as well as it could. But for everything that God has created, there is a way that God has designed it to exist. And I believe we were not created to live on default. We were created to live by design. Can you say design? So, so I don't want to just live a hot mess life. I don't want to live a hot mess life. I want to live a life on purpose because if God saved me from sin, he saved us for purpose. Do you agree with that? Say amen. He saved us for a purpose. So we're not just alive. We're not just breathing. I believe that as long as we have the breath of life in our lungs, God has a reason for us to exist. And so the enemy, what he wants to do is kind of put these thoughts or seeds of doubt in your mind that would try to say, well, you're not, you're not that great and you're not that smart and you're not that this and you're not that that and you're not that thin and you're not that fit and you're not that rich and you're not that educated and you're not that cute. But, but, but. But the the Lord, I believe, wants to affirm us that we are not what the enemy has said we are and that we are not what we have done, but that we are defined by what he has done for us. Can you say amen? I'm preaching and I haven't even gotten into my intro. So God has some things that he wants to put and deposit into your heart this morning. If you'll simply lean in, I think that you'll be released into a new level of living. How many of y'all want that? And don't get this twisted because this isn't like a prosperity message that says that you need to give me something in order for God to do something. I believe that, no, before you ever gave God anything, God already had a higher purpose designated for your life. And he's not expecting your money for you to unlock a blessing. I believe God wants your heart because there is nothing more valuable than your heart. The year was 2001. I was in sixth grade. I was, uh, I was a short little kid up until about 15. And so I was age 12 and, uh, you know, braces, headgear, the, the whole bit. Just picture the, picture the awkward kid. You know, my mom says I was sweet, but I mean, nothing sweet about headgear. The, I don't know if y'all know what headgear is. Google it, but I had braces and then braces on top of braces. So what that was, what it looked like was a contraption that I had to stick into my braces that would then wrap around my head. And, uh, and, 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 and so that was what it was. That's what I get for being a dentist's son. So uh, on top of the braces and the headgear, I had the elastics, those things that you didn't want to take out during lunch, but then you just let them snap and then just kind of swallow it because you don't want to be that guy. So uh, it was just that all of that. And, uh, and, and, and so I just had, you know, my ears are still large, but I've grown into them, but just picture them the same size, but about, you know, a long time ago. And, and it was just that, that thing. I was a very timid young boy. I was not, I was not so, I was not like this social butterfly. I was not, you know, the athlete. I was not the, the, I was just, I was a smart kid, uh, who, who just minded his business. I kept my head down and I did my thing. I didn't go to school to make friends. I went to school to get good grades. And, and that was, that was me. That was me. And, uh, that doesn't have to be you, but that was, that was Shane. And, 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 and my grandma was always worried because I, I, I've always loved junk food. She's like, if you don't start eating your vegetables, you're going to get bullied in high school and I'm not going to be there to defend you. Meanwhile, this is my grandmother. And uh, I'm like, grandma, it's all right. Genetics are, genetics are more powerful. And, and so I'm going to, I'm going to grow. Just wait for it. And I went to high school, still five, like five, no, no, four, 11, going to foot higher, four, 11. Uh, I was very, very, very short, squeaky, squeaky, squeaky voice. And, and then, uh, just things shifted in 10th grade and man, but, but sixth grade, 
Sixth grade, 2001, there was this trip that every sixth grade went on. It was called the Pennsylvania trip. And, uh, and, and this was like a team building weekend where, uh, we would go and do like team building exercises in the, in the, in the, in the woods. And I wasn't about that. I don't like, I, whenever it was like group projects or teams, I'm like, nah, I'd rather build myself than build a team, right? Like I was just that, I was that kid and, uh, I didn't want to go on the trip, but I also didn't want to be the only kid that didn't go on the trip. So I like begrudgingly went on the trip. And I always hated that moment where you're going to get on the bus and it's like, who's going to sit with me? And like, it like, all right, if no, now I'm like, I hope nobody sits with me. Like, like once you're an adult, you're like, I want the whole, but, but as a kid, like you're, you're dealing with a lot of, a lot of pressure. And, uh, the last project, the last activity on this Pennsylvania trip was to zip line across a lake, uh, like like a a, huge, a big lake. There was this zip line across the across the lake, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna finish off this trip, and everyone's gonna zip line across the lake." And uh, who wants to go first? I'm like, not me. I I don't. I'm not not me. So you know, there's the jock that goes first and acts like it was nothing. Whatever. No one even cared. And then and then there was this girl who I recall. It so what we had to do was you know put the holster. And then climb up this makeshift ladder on the side of an oak tree. Uh, so just wood slats nailed to the side of a tree. You climb up onto this platform and then you buck, you, you hook on to the, to the zip line and you just step off. And so I remember this girl climbed the ladder up to the oak tree onto the platform, hooked on, but started to cry and, but, but crying like a lot, like crying like something had happened. And, uh, and I'm like, wow, I, that is not going to be me. I would rather stay here on the ground safe and not cry than to go up there and make a fool of myself. Like I am, I'd rather not do it than halfway do it. So, so you know, she cried so much that I can't even remember if she did it. Like, that's the only memory I have of her is her crying. Like, I'm trying to think back to 2001. Did she jump off or not? I don't remember. I just remember that she was bawling her eyes out. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, when you feel embarrassed for someone, like, ooh, I feel it in my heart what you are going through. And I am glad I am not you. That was me at age 12. I was like, wow, I'm really glad that's not me right now. But then the time came for 12 year old head geared, allergy eyed Shane Lima to go up the makeshift ladder to the top of the oak tree to buckle in and jump across the lake. And so, I'm like, you know what? I'm Cape Verdean. <laughs> I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to close my allergy-filled eyes. And I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to call my mom. There was no cell phones at that point. At least I didn't have one. It was a different day. You know, kids didn't get cell phones this young. Uh, that's a side sermon. Um, and, and so I just kind of, I climbed up the ladder, 411 Shane, got up to the platform, buckled onto the thing. And the moment comes where you make a decision. Will I seize this opportunity or will I not? Am I going to do it? Or am I going to flake out like the girl who flaked out before me? Not the fact that she was a girl, because there are girls that are way more boss than I was at that age. My wife is more fearless than, no, actually, I don't know. <laughs> but, 
But the moment comes where do you jump or do you not? And it's sort of like my body decided before my mind could be made up. And I just, and they told us like a plane could be held by this wire. I don't care if you say that. Planes don't have feelings. Yeah, they're not 411 with allergy eyes. They're not. This wire could hold up. And I just, before my mind could decide, I was out in the middle of this lake. And I was swinging. And we're getting to the other side. And I'm like, this thing better stop. And, you know, there's that moment where you have to make a decision about the opportunity that you've been given. This sermon could go many directions. I could talk about the power of fear. I could talk about the power of faith and the zip line and hold on to God. That, we could do all those sermons. But I, this morning, I want to approach it through the perspective of you are capable of doing more than you think you can. You're capable of doing way more than what you've already accomplished in life. You can push yourself a little bit more. You can be a little bit better at what you're already good at. You can step out of mediocrity into excellence if you decide to. You can step off that platform and literally soar into what God wants you to do if you will seize the opportunity that God has given you. There is nothing worse than an opportunity that is wasted. And here is the thing. We are born with a unique set of gifts and passions. And today I want to help you through the power of the Spirit to unlock potential and make potential reality. Because I know that the enemy wants to keep us on the platform that is stuck to the side of an oak tree. But God has called us to soar into the plans that he has called us to. And so if it's, if it's left up to me, I'm going to push you a little bit more to step off that platform and into what God has called you to do. What are you doing with what God has given you? The, the big idea this morning is that in Christ, you are capable of more. In Christ, you are capable of more. Don't settle for less. Don't sell yourself short. You are fully equipped to do and live out this calling that God has placed upon your life. And the calling of God over your life is huge. Does anybody want a huge calling? Look, I don't want to get to the end of my road of life and realize that I wasted time. I want to live this life to the, I want to live my best life. I want to live the life that God birthed me to live because I was birthed for purpose. I was conceived for purpose. I was not conceived and birthed and raised and now living to stand on a platform. I was birthed and raised to soar. And so I will not stay stuck. I will seize the opportunity, step out and do more. Tell two people, do more, do more. You can do better. You don't have to feel the way you're feeling. You don't have to be grumpy. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to be eh. You can be great. You can be blessed. You can be fulfilled. You can be used of God. You can be successful. I think there's sometimes a mindset in church that to be, 
that to be that to be used is 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 to be sad. Like to be blessed is to be sad. Like oh, I need to look religious. I need to look devout. I need to look. I need to look. Yeah, I need to look. Yeah, I no. I I want to be blessed. I want to step off that platform, and I want to soar. I want to be who God called Shane to be. I want to be who God ordained. I want to unlock what God ordained Alini to be. I want to raise children who will be who God has called them to be. I will not live a lie. And, and here we go. I, in my mid-20s, I was avoiding my 30s. I'm like, I, I don't want to turn 30. But now, the, the, the closer I'm getting, I'm realizing that 30s are going to be the best decade of my life. I am married. I am fulfilled. I am doing my dream job. I am blessed beyond measure. Man, like I have everything going for me. And so 30 is going to be the best decade that anybody's ever seen. Not because Shane's the best, but because my God is the best. Because I wasn't called for a platform. I was called to soar. Can you say soar? We're going to step into it with the swag that we've never had before. And you may be like, what is he talking about? Let me tell you something. All over scripture, there is struggle, but there is swag. There is struggle. There is pain. There are tears. There are sad days. But then there is a victory. Whether in this life or the life to come, the story always ends in dancing. My Bible tells me that God always leads us in triumphant procession. That doesn't sound sad to me. That sounds victorious. My God says that he will lead me from victory to victory, from grace to grace. It says that his plans for me are for my good, for my benefit, for my prosperity, not for my harm. This word prosperity has gotten twisted to mean something that has to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with how good my God is. It has nothing to do with what I can offer God, but what God has offered me through Jesus. And so if the enemy thinks he's going to steal my calling, he has another thing coming. If, God, if the enemy thinks he's going to steal my purpose he has another thing coming because I was born to live out the purposes of God for my life and so I reject the enemy I reject the lie no weapon formed against me will prosper the only thing that will prosper is the purpose of God for my life and that's the only thing I'm living for so 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 you got to start doing more with what you got I started off this sermon good and dry, and I am already sweating because this is good. Because God wants to remind you that there is something that he has given you. And everything that belongs to God ultimately goes back to God. So how are you stewarding what God has entrusted to you? Everything that belongs to God ultimately goes back to God. So how are you stewarding what God has given you? How are you stewarding it? How are you stewarding your influence? There are some in here who are influential. There are some in here who, 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 are, who, ha, who carry an influence that is unlike an influence that anybody else has. How are you stewarding that influence? How are you stewarding your finances? Are your finances going to this, that, or the other? Or is God first in your finances? Is God first in your priority? How are you stewarding your relationship? Are you treating your wife like a slave? Sometimes we get submission and, 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 and slavery like inter... No, submission, if you're not worth being submitted to, then you, 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 you... That's another sermon for another day. Let's wait for February, love month. We'll talk about that. But, but how are you stewarding your relationships? 
this changed my marriage because how I treat my wife is a reflection of how I would treat Christ in the flesh. There's no difference. Because the scripture says that you can't, like, you, you, you can't love God and then have, like, how I treat her is a reflection of how I would treat Christ. So if, if, I'm, if I'm diminishing her value, that means that I'm not appreciating what God has entrusted to me, which if I'm, if I'm despising the gift, I'm ultimately despising the giver. I have this story back in third grade. It was Secret Santa. I love this story. The story cracks me up. Because uh, I hate Secret Santa. I hate Yankee Swap. I hate any variety of it. I like, I, I like it if there's no pressure. If it's like a $10 gag gift, like I'm all about it. Let's go to Dollar Tree. Let's buy something stupid. Let's buy, let's buy, let's buy a nice like plunger. Like I'm, I'm all for that. But, but third grade, I'm trying to be cool. I was at a new school. Secret Santa came around. We bought, I got this kid. His name was Corey, and his name, and, and, and he was an artist. He was an artist. And so he, he, he loved to art, do art. And so I was going to buy him the best Secret Santa gift ever. And so I, we went to Marshall's, me and my mom, and it was 1997. I remember the year. I remember the place. And we walked in there, and we bought those sets of color. If you've heard this story, just wait for the laugh at the end. The colored pencils, the markers, the watercolors, the, 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 the pastels, the, the, that, whole, that whole case. You know those cases? And I'm going to give, remember this? And you don't remember this. And I, get, and, and I walked in to third grade that night, that day, and I'm like, Corey is going to go crazy over my gift for him. Man, he is going to love this gift. He is going to have the, because, man, I've only been here for a few months, September to December, and I already know that this kid loves art. I'm going to give him what is going to really take him to the next level in his art craft. And so they're like, who wants to give their gift first? Excited Shane Lima raised up his hand and said, I want to give my gift first. Who did you get, Shane? I got Corey. Here you go, Corey. Oh, go ahead and open your gift. The whole class is watching. And so he opens his gift and cries out of sadness at the fact that he hated the gift. What? Yep. Cried. When he rejected the gift, he rejected the giver. Because as he rejected those colored pencils, it was a stab in my heart. How can you love the giver and reject the gift? How we treat others is a reflection of how we'll treat Christ. And, and so how are you stewarding your relationships? How are you stewarding what God has given to you? There's this story tucked into Matthew 25, and I have to run because there's so much good stuff here. It, it, it's, this, it's this master that is giving out money how many of y'all love handouts? Uh, it was great. Just like, if I had cash, you'd be really excited about it. And I would just like give it to you. Like, here, run with it and do something with it. That's what's happening in Matthew 25. The master is giving away money. He's giving away talents. And a talent is a monetary unit worth 20 years worth of wages. That's a lot of money. And so he pulls up three servants and he's like, all right, servants, got a gift for y'all. First one, I'm going to give you five talents worth of money. That's a hundred years worth of wages loaded, right? I'd be like, you sure? Like, all right, easy. Five talents for you. Next dude. Sir, I'm going to give you two talents worth of money. Now, half of us would be like, hold on, he got five. But it says that the master gave to each servant in accordance with their capacity. God can't give you more than you can handle. 
We, we like to use that phrase in terms of temptation. God's not going to tempt you beyond, God's not going to allow temptation beyond what you can bear. But I also believe it for gifting. God can entrust a larger capacity of gifting to certain ones over others. So to the second one, he gives two. And then to the third guy, he gives one. And he's like, all right, I'm going to leave. I'm going on vacation. I'll be back in a little while. Do what you got to do. The one with five runs out, starts making more money, hustling hard. I mean, he hustles to the point that he makes five more. He makes 200 years worth of wages total. I mean, this dude made bank. He was set. He got all the money stacked up. The dude with the two, uh, the two talents goes away, makes two more. Now he has four talents worth of money, 80 years worth of wages. And then the third guy is really scared, shook. Like, I mean, to the point that he wasn't able to make any rational decision, he literally buries, uh, d- digs a hole in the ground, buries the money, covers it over, and just waits. Eventually, the master comes back, and he wants to settle accounts, and he pulls together the three servants. And he says, all right, I've been gone for a little while. What have you done with what I've given to you? The guy with the five talents comes forward, and he says, look, master, you gave me five. I've been faithful with the five. I've made five more. Here is 200 years worth of wages. The master is souped. I mean, he's so, he's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful with a little, I will now place you over much. Come into the rest of your master. Then the guy with the two talents comes forward. He's like, look, master, you gave me two talents. Look, I made two more. 80 years worth of wages right here. He's like, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful over a little, I will now entrust you with much. I want to pause here for a moment because look, the the second guy only had 80 years worth of wages and the guy with with, uh, the five talents made 200 years worth of wages. Both of them got the same exact reward because they were faithful with the amount God gave them. You can only answer for what God has entrusted to you. You can't take credit or take, or take blame either for what other people have. You can only be faithful with what you got. And so they both get the same reward. And then the third dude comes forward and is like, sir, I know that you're a man who reaps where you have not sowed. And you gather where you have not planted seed. Uh, note to self, if you're gonna, if you're gonna break news to your boss, don't diss him in the process. Like, that's exactly what's happening. I'm like, what's, what's your problem? So I know that you're a harsh man who you, you gather where you have not sowed and you harvest where you have not planted. And so I was really scared of what you would do. So I just buried the talent and, and, and here it is. I, I cleaned it off for you. Here, here's the one you gave me. And the response to this man is, you wretched and slothful servant. Because you did nothing with what you were given. So even what you have, the one, is still going to be taken away and given to the one who has done the most. Because to he who has not, none more will be given. But to he who has invested, they can be entrusted with more. And so I want to remind you of a truth here this morning and say with me is that increased capacity means increased responsibility. Are you with me on this? Increased capacity is increased responsibility. We say it this way, and this comes from this scripture, to whom much is given, much is expected. And let me remind you today that you have been given much. You have been given much. You are blessed. Can you, can you tell your neighbor that? Because they're not listening to me. You are blessed. You are blessed. You're blessed like crazy. But because you are blessed, 
there is a responsibility that comes with the blessing. You have a capacity, and so you need to max out your potential by taking everything up a notch. Let me tell you, student, you can do better in school. I know D's that get degrees, but A's are even better. Is it C's get degrees or D's get degrees? D's get degrees too, though. But A is better. We can, we can live perpetually broke or we can do finances God's way. Shout out to Dave Ramsey and all the Dave Ramsey fans in the room. Available now in the bookstore. It really is. We can have a marriage that is on the rocks or we can do marriage God's way. We can date worldly or we can date God's way. Y'all are getting silent on me. You were shouting when I was talking about jumping off the platform. Now I need you to shout me down while I'm on the platform. Can I get an amen? Amen. Either we can attend church and be whack because attending church gets real old. Or we can be the church. You can take everything in your life up a notch. Your marriage can go up a notch today. Your dating relationship can go up a notch today. Your finances can go up a notch today by not going to Emerald Square and spending what we don't have to impress those that don't, need, don't, don't care. We can take our health up a notch today by saying no to that 2,500-calorie burger and that 800-calorie shake from Five Guys. We can take our church experience up a notch by connecting with five people after service. We can take everything up a notch. We can take our social media quality up a notch by not posting trash or being tagged in trash because we weren't present in trash. Everything can go up a level. Your energy can go up a level. Your craft can go up a level. If you're an artist, a photographer, a singer, a musician, a worship team member, a greeter, a sound guy, a a lyrics person, a cafe server, whatever you're good at, a Sunday school teacher, a VBS worker, a children's church teacher, a Sunday school teacher, anything that you do, a, a businessman, a trash guy, a burger flipper. You can do everything up a level. Instead of walking into work tomorrow morning, I need to end this. Like, I hate this place. I hate this boss. I hate these coworkers. I can't wait to clock out. Nobody better steal my lunch today. I hate this place. I can't wait till Friday. You can walk into your office with a sense of purpose that will be so contagious to the people around you that they're going to be like, I don't know what you did this weekend, but I want some of it. And then you're going to be like 194 Barn Street Protective Rhode Island. They're giving away free stuff. 
Because I don't care if it's at 9 a.m. on a Sunday. If it's free, people will take it. And let me tell you something. We're giving out the best thing ever. Salvation, baby. You better know it. We're not messing around. We're not joking. We're going to stop living this rum drum life. Of I'm just kind of getting through. Hump Wednesday. Thursday. Thank God it's Friday. Nope. 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 Nope, 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 nope. God didn't create me to dread days. God, God created me to use days for his purpose. And so I'm not going to walk into tomorrow hating it. I'm going to walk into tomorrow using it for the glory of God. And I, and I, man, you may be like, this dude's really passionate about this, isn't he? Absolutely I am. Because I've read my Bible, and my Bible did not say anything about creating me to dread tomorrow. It says, I may not know what happens tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. And so I can walk into my tomorrow knowing that God has a purpose for me in that cubicle, at that factory, on that bus stop. Wherever God has me, God wants to use me. Start seeing the opportunities that God has placed before you and seize them. That guy on the bus stop needs hope and you have it. Give it. The person in the cubicle next to you is hating Mondays. But you have a joy that they need. Give it. What is the difference between the Christian and the world? If we are living and acting and feeling just like them. We're as grumpy. We're as upset. We're as dreadful as them. Let me tell you something. God saved you for more than just from sin. He saved you for a purpose. So if it's for a purpose, there's going to be some feelings that come along with purpose. You better get filled up because God is not going to use, eh, God's going to use the best. And I'm going to give God the best. Can you say amen? amen. Increased capacity, increased responsibility. Number two is this. Gifts are given, but success is earned. Gifts are given, but success is earned. He handed out five talents, two talents, one talent. And those are gifts. That's a hundred years worth of wages that that dude did not deserve. He gave it. But then the success of doubling it was because the man labored to double it. Success, this next level lifestyle, next level church is not going to be handed to us on a silver platter. It comes through hard work. It comes through us doing something with what we have in our hands. If God has given you gifts and God has given you capacity, it is now your responsibility to hustle hard, to work it, and to double what God gave you. The first time I heard, well, I've heard this sermon preached many times, this this passage preached many times. But Alini and I were sitting at Jackie's with Pastor Manny Arango not too long ago, and he brought up this story. And he was speaking life into Alini and I and, and, and speaking encouragement and blessing into our ministry and into our, you know, into the next five to 10 years of our ministry. And he, and he's comparing himself to his friend. His friend is Brian Bullock. They're both pastors. And, uh, and Brian Bullock, Pastor Brian Bullock is a really highly gifted leader. I mean, he, he's a singer and a preacher. The dude can sing like nobody's business and the dude can preach like nobody's business. Manny can preach like nobody's business, but the dude can't sing for anybody's business. And so he was saying how Brian was entrusted with many gifts. And then Pastor Manny was entrusted with one gift out of probably countless others that he has. 
But he said, the diff- you can't decide how much you receive. You can only decide what you'll do with what you've received. So instead of looking at Brian and saying, man, let me just back up because that guy can sing and preach. No, Pastor Manny said, because I can preach, I'm going to be the best possible preacher that I could ever be because I can't choose what I'm given. I can only choose what I do with what I've been given. And so this morning, I don't want you to compare what you've been given to what your neighbor's been given. I want you to just start thinking, what has God called you to do and what can you start doing today this afternoon to take that thing up one level this week because if we start thinking that way the enemy loses ground real quick and as a pastor i'm dreaming that for this church because some would label ambassadors as a place that hasn't been given much quote-unquote, money-wise. A place that is not, hasn't been given much in terms of maybe monetary resources, but God can double what was given singularly. If, 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 the, if the broke widow gave one penny and the Pharisees gave stacks of money and Jesus said, the poor widow gave more, It's because God is able to do a lot with a little. So I don't care what label they place on this house. When I see this house, I see multiplication. When I see this house, I don't don't care how much are in the coffers or in the weekly deposit. I care about the souls that are being transformed. And you know what? At the end of my day, what brings satisfaction is not riches or wins for me, but riches and wins for the kingdom of God. And the church I see, the church I see is the church that's been given maybe one but we double the one. And then we have two and we double the two. And then we have four and we double the four and we work it and we hustle and we show up and we rehearse and we come to city night and party like there's no Monday, but there really is. Generation after generation, we hustle. We get it done. We get it done. And let me tell you something. God does something in the middle of a faithful people that are willing to step off of a platform and are willing to soar. I won't stand on this platform and tell the church to stand on your platform because I see a lake in front of us. I see a chasm in front of us, but I see a way for us to get across. And maybe your eye, your physical eyes don't see it yet, but my spiritual eyes see something, something beyond what any of us can imagine. I see a multitude. I see a harvest. I, I see the souls. I see the broken. I see the left behind. I see those without a home. 
I see the sinner holding hands with the saint. I see the prostitute. I see the drug dealer. I see them walking into this house and I see redemption. I see beauty from ashes. I see something coming out of what was considered little. And I see much. Not because we are great, but because the God who has blessed us is greater still. I see a church that will have an influence beyond an address. A church that will have an influence beyond the name of the pastor. But a church that will be a nameless and faceless generation. That will spread the love and the gospel and the justice of God to the corners of this world. I see it. I envision it. The platform has been built. The buckle has been set. And now we need only jump. Generations before me have laid the foundation for what God wants to unlock in these next five to ten years. And I speak it right now into existence, Lord.